0: Hello, and welcome back to The Periphery. This week, we have a very exciting guest. You might recall that season one, we had Bill Kvasich, the former chair of the FTC. Well, today, we have the direct successor, John Leibowitz, who was the FTC chair uh, during the Obama, Obama administration, who oversaw kind of one of the most, I would say, and this is my opinion, just maybe you all can correct me, but I say one of the most pivotal eras in tech uh, today, uh, he was there in 2000, was it 9 to 13? Well, h- yeah, hello, John. Yeah, even, just... even
1: before that, I actually was a Democratic commissioner um, uh, uh, from 2000 on a Republican controlled uh, commission from 2004 to 2000, early 2009.
0: And I mean, just let's just dive in. Can you kind of give us like an overview of your career at the FTC and just what your role was and some of the things that you saw and, uh, you know, Today, obviously, we kind of understand tech as big, perhaps bad, perhaps scary boogeyman uh, controlling a lot of D.C. and federal policy. But then it was a very different story. It was tech's on the rise. It was, you know, America's new industry and uh, the Obama administration was, you know, very cozy with tech. <laughs> uh,
1: well, that's, uh, that's right. And let me just start by saying thank you all on the periphery for inviting me to, uh, to, uh, to join your, your, your podcast. Um, so I was, uh, and, and I think the way you put it is, is exactly right. I, I came to the FTC in 2004. And for those of you who don't know it, the FTC was, maybe a little bit less now, um, but was about as bipartisan an agency as you could possibly have in Washington. Um, commissioners taught, Democrats and Republicans talked to each other. We made collective decisions. We rarely had three two party line votes. Um, and we made our 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 decision making and our education and our learning, I think better by uh, by bringing different areas of expertise to the table. and by always sort of, you know thinking about um what's the best way to effectuate our mission everybody, people had different views about what that about how to do that, but everybody uh, agreed that the FTC should be uh, you know, about consumer protection, stopping unfair or deceptive acts or practices, about competition, stopping unfair methods of competition. That's sort of a broader sort of a penumbra around the antitrust laws. and uh, uh, and 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 we were learning a lot about privacy at the time. So uh, when I first came um to the FTC, uh, there was a problem with spyware. Um, now there is no problem with spyware, and that's because the FTC went after the 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 malefactors who were putting um you know malware in people's computers that were serving ads that they couldn't find. And we shut those companies. We shut those companies down. Um, but we were learning a lot about the tech companies as they were growing, right? and And I think you know, they went from as I watched them, and and we did some meaningful things around tech company and consumer privacy and antitrust, but but as as we watched them, they they I think in retrospect I would certainly say um, they went from these cool companies that were doing great things for consumers to and this happens in different industries as well uh, to monopolists who are trying to protect their position. Um, some would say legally, some of us thought not so legally in certain circumstances, um, and and to companies that were sort of hoovering up data, um, uh, uh, we started calling them cyberazzi uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and doing it in a way that was undermining consumer control of personally identifiable information. So, um, you know, we watched the landscape change um, when um, – Uh, By the time I became chair, we started scrutinizing these companies, I think, um, uh, in considerably more depth. And we brought cases against Facebook and Google and Twitter um, for uh, uh, basically uh, uh, deceiving consumers about uh, about the data they were collecting and who they were giving it to. Um, But uh, 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 but. To your question, we could see the landscape changing and we could see, um, uh, you know, idealistic companies becoming
2: considerably
1: losing some of their idealism, I would say.
2: John, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind rewinding a bit for us. Um, A lot of us are soon to be graduates or in school. You graduated law school from NYU in 1984. Um, which jumped out to me given the book title of the same name. I'm wondering if at that point the tech industry was on your radar as a big promise, but also a big threat, and if not, how that interest was ignited in the early stages of your legal career.
1: No, no, no. I, if you want me to sort of frolic and detour a little bit to what I was thinking about when I graduated law school, and my daughter, by the way, is uh, is, uh, is finishing up her third year uh, uh, at Harvard uh, the spring uh, law school and refuses to work for a law firm because she says her father did it and so she doesn't need to. Um,
0: and <laughs> hey, that's a very fair argument. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I was thinking about none of these things. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I turned down my, um, my law firm offers and I came to Washington and then ended up uh, and I wanted to work in politics, um, which I ultimately ended up doing uh uh I worked on the hill for 12 or 13 years for the late Paul Simon and then for um uh uh, uh and then for Herb Kohl. Uh wonderful uh, uh two wonderful senators. Herb Kohl was uh, was a senator from uh, Wisconsin. And um uh but I, no I hadn't really thought about technology or antitrust trust that much. Um it was just not, you know, um uh, technology issues were just not on the radar screen of my peers in the way that they are now, um, uh, for your peers, and antitrust I came late to. I started uh, I got interested in antitrust when I started working in the Senate, and uh, and then um, uh, as 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 Senator Cole got more senior, and he was a progressive business person from Wisconsin. He ended up chairing different subcommittees. Um, and in his last, uh, in my last, uh, three or four years with him, um, uh, he chaired the antitrust subcommittee and I got really interested in antitrust issues. And then I had a, a little detour of my own, uh, to go work for the film industry for a few years. And I, it was a glamorous job, but it was kind of like utterly non-substantive and, uh, or largely non-substantive. And then I had an opportunity to go, uh, onto the FTC. I was just the luckiest. Uh, I was just, it was just totally serendipitous. Um, although I had background in, 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 in competition policy from being on, uh, from being the chief counsel, the interest subcommittee and, um, and, uh, and I went there and I, I learned about all sorts of issues, uh, technology issues, antitrust issues, healthcare competition issues, which were a big part of our agenda, um, privacy issues, which were a big part of our agenda and, and, and had a wonderful time at this great small agency.
0: And uh, so I think that's like kind of a, a perfect way to situate ourselves into today. You know, you're talking about the, the landscape of antitrust and how it's kind of evolved throughout your career. You know, now the uh, antitrust regime is quite different than the one you entered. It's not particularly bipartisan. Um, the understanding of how these markets operate has totally shifted in no small part due to the current chair, Lena Khan, and her paper on the Am- uh, Amazon's antitrust paradox. And so, you know, there's kind of two questions that remain. With this current regime one how much can antitrust really do you know and at the same time uh, oh what was the second question that i had i how yeah how much can antitrust actually do and how how seriously should we take the concerns of these neo brandesians where privacy is the market data is the market and it's not really reflected in consumer prices
1: so i so let's let me let me take those questions in order. Uh, yeah. and they're big questions they're big, meaty questions. Um, I, I would say that um, uh, antitrust can do a lot if it's properly interpreted. so, um and and uh, and and this is where I think the neo brandisians have done a very good job of questioning conventional wisdom and making people think at least some people think a little bit differently about antitrust. And on some issues, and I can come back to this, um, the consensus has changed as a result of the neo uh, Brandeisians, even though I think you know probably most people, certainly on the defense side in the antitrust community, don't like to call them neo Brandeisians, they like to call them hipster antitrust people, you know, as <laughs> a derogatory way. Where they're quite their mainstream burper, hands, for, hip, you know, for hipster, <laughs> they, they, they 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 may be. So, um, if you look, the and I. It, it, there has been really only, I mean, the antitrust laws in the last 30 years have been for the most part about the courts uh, 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 redefining antitrust in a fairly cramped way. But one of our biggest uh, uh, victories, and it was not me, it was the entire commission who was four square behind this, was um, winning a case in the Supreme Court to stop uh, pay-for-delay uh, pharmaceutical deals now those deals are ones in which the brand pharmaceutical company paid the um would pay uh the generic pharmaceutical company to stay out of the market and uh, that was win-win for the companies but it was lose-lose for consumers who were footing the bill and um and and that uh, and that win in the Supreme Court 5-3 in the Actavis case in 2013 that has saved consumers in healthcare costs um Literally, since then, maybe a hundred billion dollars, and maybe more, because oh. if the Supreme Court had decided oh. the other way, uh, you know, these deals uh, would have been would have gone on for uh, would have become much more prevalent. And um, so, I believe antitrust can do many um, uh, 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 important. Hold on a second, I have something. Sorry, um, uh, can do uh, really important things for consumers and for competition. And if you believe that you know competition is the best way. Uh, to benefit Americans and to benefit consumers, uh, then it can be really important. I do think um, that uh, uh, that um, the way the competition laws are interpreted now, it's hard to win cases. And indeed, I'm not so sure we would have won our Actavis case, which we won 5-3, um, with this Supreme Court. Um, uh, it's a... Uh, uh, uh and in all the other cases uh at the court at the supreme court and most but not all appellate court decisions um you know the loser has uh to, certainly when the uh when the agencies are involved the loser has more often than not uh been the government and the government represents you know or at least tries to um uh, uh the people so i guess i finish answering that question by saying when i was um uh, when I was at the FTC for eight and a half years, I kind of believed that the the answer was more enlightened judges that gave a little more deference to antitrust agencies. um and 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 now, in the wake of ten more years and two hundred and thirty six Trump appointed judges, i was it and thirty six? yeah. oh wow. <laughs> he they were he was they were very efficient. Um and some of those judges are very good. So I don't mean to, you know, I don't sure. I don't mean to 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 say that uh, that I um uh the, 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 that I'm versus all of them. I'm not. Uh, uh, but in the wake of, of 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 those judges that were appointed who are for the most part conservative on antitrust and and, and consumer protection issues and agency deference, um uh, you know, we probably need to change the laws because uh, because like the antitrust laws, a magnificently broad delegation of power, uh, to the courts and to the agencies, um, uh, uh they're just in our, in, 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 the, in, certainly in the near and intermediate future, they're just not going to be interpreted differently. So, you know, the antitrust laws aren't, the, the antitrust laws are about promoting and ensuring competition to benefit consumers. And if they're not doing, if if the courts can't interpret it properly, you need to change the law. So that only answered your first question. Why don't you ask the second question again for our listeners on the periphery?
0: Uh, Yeah, it was, it's more about, you know, there's all these concerns. You know, I think the Neil Brandesians are concerned about how big these companies are. They're concerned about kind of the surveillance capitalism, so-called, that they're ushering in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's not very clear on how to remedy that. So it's kind of a two-prong question It's just you know, what are the remedies or what is the metric of success? Is it in these companies? Is it making Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp separate companies? What? How do you actually undermine that business model that kind of incentivizes these conglomerates, these huge mega trillion dollar companies?
1: Right. Well, I, I guess I, I take a, a slightly different perspective, but not entirely different in the sense that I think if you if you get to your big dominant position by virtue of the the, um, the 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 impressive technology that you've developed that's not a problem for me the the problem i think comes when you engage in uh, when you engage in ex- what the antitrust lawyers would call exclusionary acts uh, bad acts that effectuate that that, that either uh, um, uh, uh, involve attempted monopolization or monopoly maintenance. and And I think there's some evidence that um, that some of the some of the large tech companies have done that. There's certainly uh, multiple lawsuits uh, uh, against uh, uh, Google and Facebook at this point. um and and they are very serious. And we had a long investigation when I was at the FTC, even before these monopolies were as durable as we now know them to be. Um, where there was a, you know, quite candidly, a split in the commission about whether uh, uh, about whether we should uh, bring an action against Google. Some of us wanted to, majority didn't, and 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 so we didn't. And I think these these cases are serious. So we'll have to see where antitrust goes. Um, you know, how these cases uh, come out. I, I, I do kind of think that they are. Um, oh, and I'll give you another example too. Um, so the FTC has a a case. Uh, against Facebook to undo um, uh, some of its acquisitions uh, uh, Instagram, whatsapp and and the better time to have done that um, would have been um, when they tried to buy these companies uh, and and there just wasn't a will of the majority of the um, uh, of the commission uh, to bring in action. Um, uh, but going back to um, the neo Brandisians. Um, the, 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 one of the areas where I think things would change now, if it, 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 in in, a, in the sort of Facebook, um, uh, Facebook Instagram acquisition, or uh, I wasn't at the commission during um, Facebook WhatsApp, and they didn't even go to what's known as second request, a deeper dive on that. But one area that we struggled with on the commission in, in merger reviews was what do we do about um, uh, the large dominant company buying a new entrant with interesting technology that has no market share. So that's Facebook, Instagram, right? And um, uh, some of us, some wanted to bring that case, knowing we would probably lose because you look at market share if you're, but 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 to send a signal, right? Um, to say, look, we're going to be scrutinizing these deals. Other people thought, uh that um no, the market share doesn't change, we'd lose that case. I think we probably would have, and we'd um, uh, and uh, it wasn't appropriate because really you should look at increased market share rather than, and, and Instagram at that time had no advertising or almost no advertising revenue, right? So what's known is for those of you who've taken um, antitrust, you look at the HHIs, if you see a big Delta, <laughs> yeah. smiling because you had to learn that stuff. Uh, and uh, if you see a big Delta uh, 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 and an increase to a concentration level, um, then you know it's a presumptively illegal transaction. Um, and uh, b- But here, the deltas didn't change. There was no more increased uh, – the HHIs didn't go up uh, because one company had all – one company had a, a dominant market position. The other company had zero market position. They had no advertisers. So I think today that would – I think today Republicans and Democrats would look at that with much more – um, uh, would scrutinize a deal like that much more. And that's an area where I think it's important. So that's another area where antitrust can be effective, right? Is stopping dominant companies from buying new competitors. And I think that's an area that's changing and where antitrust is, is actually uh, going to um, uh, uh, be more forceful in protecting, in protecting consumers. As, as for other parts of the Neo brandisian agenda, Um, I, you know, I think there's too much, I I, I would say this, I agree with a lot of it. I'm probably not, I'm probably not a charter member. I am probably something more like a fellow traveler. Uh, and, uh, but I think we all should agree there's too much concentration. The antitrust laws in there as they've been effectuated, um, have let too much concentration come about through mergers. Uh, and, um, and you always need, um, you always, I think, I think if you believe in the marketplace of ideas, you are always better off with hearing, um, uh, with, with having a forceful group on the left that, um, uh, that's a sort of an advocacy not a group but, but 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 at people who advocate for a particular position because then you listen to them and these neo-brandeisians lena khan tim Wu, who worked at the ftc for me when i was at the commission and who would be a great if you haven't had him on the periphery he would be a great guest um and i know and one of you guys teaches one of you guys is at Columbia, where tim is back teaching so um uh, uh so i would encourage you to bring him on um so 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 lena and tim are probably the two most important people in this world um, uh, uh, maybe Barry Lynn at the Open Markets Institute, who's been an advocate. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we're better off when there's a marketplace of ideas where where everyone can, uh, uh, can have their say and uh, the people who are appointed to enforce the law um, uh, can, you know, listen to them and learn from them and disagree with them sometimes too.
2: When I think of the neo-Brandeisian movement, I think of this idea that Antitrust might be a useful vessel for problems that, you know, on first blush might not seem like competition problems, though they're arguably downstream of competition problems. So instead of price fixing, we're talking about consumer privacy, for example. But of course, something like consumer privacy doesn't exist in a vacuum, and any antitrust regulations could have ripple effects that go beyond the scope of American industry. I'm thinking specifically of the national security context, and there's probably a debate to be had about whether antitrust's goal of fostering innovation by focusing on protecting incentives to innovate overlooks or blocks um, another path to innovation, namely information sharing and combining capabilities. But um, that aside, I'm wondering whether national security dynamics are a consideration within FTC decision-making or maybe whether you personally see those as being intertwined. Well, so let's
1: let's unpack that um, a little bit. So national security issues are sort of on the periphery of the FTC. But I happened to be having dinner with, um, with a high-ranking current government official, a cabinet person, last night. Um, and uh, just coincidentally, and we were talking, he was talking about the work he was doing with the FTC, my former agency. On some national security issues, so they they they, they do come up um uh, and it was uh, probably a cross agency um, a cross agency initiative involving the SEC as well. So those issues do come up even if they're not in the core of the uh, of the agency's jurisdiction the the um I guess I would say, you know to to your other point, you know you can't use antitrust to solve the world's problems. You can use antitrust to solve competition problems. And sometimes, by the way, the market is the market for the collection of um, of, uh, uh, of of data. And so you know so antitrust can be useful in ensuring um, uh, uh, it, 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 ensuring a more even playing field for data collection. I suppose, um, and 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 that's important. But 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 when it comes to a variety of 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 you know of problems in society, uh, for example, wealth disparities and um, uh, and and civil rights issues, uh, which is which are talked about in the neo Brandeisian um, uh, world as as things that antitrust should be looking at. I don't think you can, I don't think on under most circumstances you can reach uh, you you can reach those problems and although it is terribly dysfunctional and has been for quite some time, you know the way to respond to those problems is often um, is often it's often better to have the legislature or lawmakers or Congress do it um so so let me just and I want to come back to privacy for one second if I can um, so the FTC. Is now has now started. So, 12, 10, now 11 years ago, we wrote a major report when I was at the commission uh, because on on privacy and the need for better privacy protections. And it was kind of designed as a guide to lawmakers to pass a privacy law. Um, And um, for 10 years, uh, uh, we have been uh, waiting for that privacy law to pass. I've actually been doing pro bono work on it. There's been some signs of Congress waking up in the last year. Uh, Seriously, do people think that they'll get a bill passed? Well, I am unduly optimistic about this. I think they're going to pass <laughs> a bill in the House, um, and I think they're going to pass a bill in the House, and there'll be a lot of pressure to pass something in the Senate. Uh, last year, a bill came out of uh, the Energy and Commerce Committee mm-hmm. by a fifty-three to two vote, and ironically, the person who was holding it up was Nancy Pelosi, for because she was getting
0: some bad advice from um, from um, People, But this is just by far the most optimistic, the most, by a lot I've heard about privacy.
1: If you have me back in two years, I'll probably be eating some crow on this, but I hope not. (laughs) Um, So, so, um, so, so my point, my point about the FTC is um, after 10 years of anemic response, even though there's a huge bipartisan support for, for, for privacy legislation, Congress hasn't gotten it done. And the FTC is taking a shot at a privacy regulation. Now. I think that's actually a really good thing for the commission to do, um, and, and I'm also very supportive of the commission's uh, initiative, which is more of a competition initiative, on on non-competes uh, to ban non-compete clauses because you know even if they're not really enforceable, if you work at McDonald's, you're not likely to know when you read when your boss tells you you're not allowed to go to you know Burger King and get three dollars more an hour, you may not know that they're not enforceable. So I think these are great initiatives, but it is but but one is. They will be tested by a conservative judiciary, right, you know, under major questions doctrine, a sort of, you know, kind of fairly new doctrine that was kind of, you know, often the often the distant right until recently. And now is, you know, part of Supreme Court jurisprudence. And um, uh, and, and it would be better if Congress, you know, if Congress passed laws uh uh in these areas rather than the uh rather than the ftc trying to initiate a rulemaking, i don't blame them for doing this i think they're doing exactly what they should do um and 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 and, and uh, particularly on the non-competes it's a very much a neo-brandeisian um uh, uh uh initiative we're consistent with with their views um and 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 i'm strongly supportive of it but you know at the end of the day whether it's privacy or whether it's um uh, or whether it's non-competes or something else, um, better for Congress or junk fees, which is another great initiative at the FTC. Um, it's better for um, the uh, uh, the. Uh, it's better for Congress to pass these laws. Doesn't mean doesn't doesn't mean you shouldn't take a shot down the field, uh, but um, you know, there only a you're you're stronger at least in effectuating things when you play within your wheelhouse, as opposed to, you know, at the outer, at the, at the outer limits of it. Uh, This, this might be uh, an an impossible task on your hand, but on the privacy bill that you're working on, are there one to two elements of that bill you might be able to sort of um, talk about in further insight? Because I think in the absence of federal privacy law, we've seen States taking varied approaches to privacy um, and, I, and I'm curious, are there one or maybe one to two points that uh, you think the federal government should be focusing on? Sure, I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to to to, to 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 try to answer that. So at the so, so the first thing is your your right to observe um, uh, states starting to uh, uh, passing privacy laws. Uh, California was the first, and it you know, deserves a fair amount of credit for for Bayman. West Coast, it West that
0: Coast. West Coast, right. <laughs> the, it,
1: shows, it shows that lawmakers can actually pass a privacy law, but California's law is not particularly strong. You can transfer all sorts of data. There's still, you can suck up information. It's not- um, It's very permissive. It's very permissive. Yeah. It, it, the, the ADPPA, which is the- and, 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 and to the extent that there have been a number of other States, Connecticut recently, Virginia fairly recently, Colorado. they have passed privacy yeah, laws. Illinois has a biometric law. Um, they, they, they've been fairly permissive as well, and they've been written with the secret hand of of large technology companies supporting them. So you know, if the large technology companies mostly support them, you should question whether you know those are the, the laws that really empower consumers okay in the adppa at the core my view of the uh, the core of the adppa right and and remember legislation in washington is, is it's the art of the possible it's not it's not the best it's not what could what could be the strongest uh but the legislation at its core says two things one is you have to have a real ability to opt out from collection of data. Actually, it's not collection of data. it's um it's use of data for certain purposes and transfer of data. I would probably do it a collection uh, and um, uh, and and replicate something closer to if I could wave my magic wand and replicate something closer to the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, which prohibits the collection of data without parental consent. Having said that, um, uh, the ability to opt out if there's a clear, easy to exercise consumer opt out for, uh, for the collection of data for certain purposes, that's important. And then when you deal with categories of sensitive information, so think of healthcare information, not within HIPAA uh, or financial information, um, companies have to get an affirmative express consent. So something stronger than but like an opt-in um, for you to use your information, and they can't say to you, uh, 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 you know, take it or leave it. They can't make you a take it or leave it bargain. And the other thing it does is it would stop the, it would increase. So, so there's a kind of an opt-in affirmative express consent approach, right? I think they're trying to decide whether they want to keep the same regime for first and third parties or have it tighter for third parties than for first parties. That's a reasonable debate to have. Another thing it does, which I think is critical, is it raises the COPPA age. It doesn't do it quite like by raising COPPA, but effectively raises the COPPA age um, from 12 and under to 16 and under. And you know what? When COPPA was passed, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act in 1999, I think, or 1999, maybe it's 2000, Um, we just didn't know. I mean, there wasn't this kind of um, persistent and extraordinary data collection that we see now. In fact, in 2012, we updated the regulations around COPPA, and all of the commissioners said if we had the power to do it, we'd raise the age. And one thing we did was we put limits on um, precise geolocation information, um, which we could do. Because um, in 1999 or 2000, whenever COPPA passed, nobody had ever heard of precise geolocation information. At least, no one who was writing that law. But they gave us enough regulatory authority uh, at uh, at the FTC so that we could um, so that we could write a regulation or a rule that prohibited that kind of collection without parental consent. And what parent is going to give parental consent to collecting kids' geolocation information? Um, so I, I think at its core, limits on limits on the use of data, limits on the transfer of data, raising uh, 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 the effective age of uh, uh, of of COPPA, uh, uh creating a, um, a, a, a a private right of action. Um, it's attenuated, but it's there. and um and ensuring, by the way, and I, I should probably mention this is a core principle of the of the legislation ensuring that any discriminatory acts offline would be treated as discriminatory acts online so you can't essentially so you know if the use of ai becomes discriminatory right a clear statement and a clear law that says that's discrimination just because it's online it's not different from uh, other discrimination
0: speaking of the if, if I turn on immersive view, you'll see immediately, like, uh here, like usually, with me specifically, it does not work. But hey, this is pretty good. This is the first time. I get ever. to
1: sit with all these young, bright students. I'm
2: very excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John, in the same vein of uh, Adam's question. um You know, in the absence of comprehensive federal legislation, I think we've seen other executive agencies flexing their powers as well. The White House, the DOJ, especially in the privacy realm um, Mm -hmm. with the executive order on signals intelligence in the fall, uh, the DOJ's new data protection court. uh, All of those things kind of do align U.S. surveillance standards with the EU. So I guess I have two questions first. Uh, broadly, what do you what do you make of this effort to kind of align EU US standards for the purpose of uh, of data transfers? And then, second of all, uh, do these regulations do enough? Again, with you know the copy, copy Well, there's, no, look,
1: there's always a question about whether the regulations do enough, and 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 the uh, the previous regime of of uh of sharing was thrown out by the uh of trans data transfers was thrown out by the European high quarter quarter first instance and so we had to uh, uh so we, we had to rewrite the 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 regulations or the circumstances under which data can be transferred. Uh, so I, I, you know i I tend I I, I I strongly believe we have to have I mean, you know, one of the reasons why we want a federal privacy law is because data doesn't remain in any particular state, right? And you don't want a crazy quilt patchwork of, 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 of conflicting state laws. Um, and the truth is, as you know, data doesn't remain um, in uh, – data doesn't necessarily remain in any country. And, you know, uh, and consumers are benefited sometimes, not always – when um when data transfers are facilitated so i think you have to have a regime that does that is this regime is this regime strong enough in terms of protecting consumers um i don't know the answer to that uh, uh, but 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 i'd also say that if you can bring actions against malefactor companies that are malefactors and that are violating privacy laws whether it's the 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 regime in the eu or whether it's the you know a hopefully soon-to-be regime in the united states or just the ftc act which is the fallback um uh that's a, uh, a, a, a you know that's part of the way in which you ensure that data transfers are um uh you know the data transfers are consistent with uh consumer sovereignty and then you know in, in to the extent that the the, the the there are questions and they're very legitimate ones about government surveillance Right, which has sort of animated some of the concerns in Europe. Those are also really gnarly, and um, and you know we as a society need to keep on working on them because we don't want um, uh, we don't want government to needlessly uh, or or without a, a a important justification, like you know the potential for imminent harm. Um, uh, we don't want government, I think, uh, you know, collecting information on citizens.
0: I mean, I have a short answer to your question. I meant to no, know it doesn't go far enough, but that's my own am
2: <laughs> I think one other piece of insight that would be interesting to me, at least, um, we've spent a lot of today talking about big tech. And I think most, if not all of us could talk about big tech for a long time, but I'm curious if there are other industries. I think you mentioned big pharma earlier. Other industries that you think merit more airtime in the public discourse about antitrust?
1: Oh, that's a great that's a great question. I I um w- w- at the FT, well, let me just step back a little bit. Um, at the at the we always took an, an approach that's sort of uh, 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 utilitarian or Benthamite, I guess Jeremy Bentham is the person who coined this phrase, "greatest good for the greatest number of people." So, where can how can you be the most opportunistic in stopping uh, things that harm consumers? So. At that time, it was certainly um, uh, particular bad acts by the pharmaceutical industry. Also, has spent a lot of time on other healthcare issues like hospital mergers, because a lot of times hospitals want to merge, and nonprofits act like for profits. And a lot of hospital companies are nonprofits, um, but they don't act like nonprofits. And um, and those uh, those hospital mergers increase costs. So we spent a lot of time on healthcare. I still think healthcare is an enormously important area for antitrust, right? And. Uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies are always trying brands and generics to game the system in different ways to increase their profits. And they all um, and they all uh, treat the Hatch Waxman Act, which is the uh, uh, which is the pathway for generic entry, as you know, uh, whack-a- as whack a mole. How can we alight around this? If they're alighting around this, how can we alight around that? um uh pay for the late pharmaceuticals where the brands paid off the generics was really uh the the most noxious because it was the two companies it was the two sides colluding at a high level and companies colluding at a at a very specific level uh so healthcare i think is really important it's you know healthcare is a huge proportion of the gdp in the united states uh that's not uh, i think it's something like 18% that's not sustainable um and it's not acceptable so you go where the money is right Um, tech is a big area for, I think, I think there's a reason why people talk about big tech when they talk about, um, uh, technology, when they talk about antitrust. And that's because these dominant companies are the biggest companies in the world. And they seem to, and there's a high level of concentration, uh, in each of their complementary industries. And, um, they're not really entering into each other's markets, uh as often as we'd like to see them there's a little of that uh and you know we benefit with more competition we consumers around the world um but I also sort of you know but 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 so so I think of those as two of the biggest areas I would probably if I could again if I could rewrite the antitrust laws I probably wouldn't change them only for companies with over 600 billion dollars in market cap Judd. uh i'd probably change the case law uh, a lot that of the case awesome. law <laughs> over the last 20 or 30 years so it applies <laughs> in any marketplace it makes mergers harder um it, it makes monopolization cases run for methods of competition that was, uh, too, that was so interesting cases easier to win close the of justice department of legislation legislation for the ftc uh but i but but right, sorry yeah. I think it's... I was going to say, I'm so excited to email an all my privacy through, professors being like, you, you wouldn't believe what I just is, heard. Um is is a perfectly good way to think about it but you are no uh, not you yet are right, Jessica, i know it is more than just, um, uh, more than just two things
0: on that be. one do it's we know when we're going to release like this episode and healthcare and this whole biotech emergence coming through, okay
1: like, this, i'm because like, i'm going to follow up with them so asking yeah. that so, so i'm just going to say, say hey, we actually also got lebowitz today just a heads up that did a lot of representation of a particular big tech company though i did not do that uh uh and pharmaceutical um, I've been uh, helping out a. Um, you mentioned biotech, and I've been helping yeah, out a uh, a small biotech company with a. Other um, right, team. Well, a small a small medical technology company with a terrific new product uh, that they've just entered the market with. And the incumbent, what has the incumbent done? The incumbent, uh, which has no competition and ninety percent plus market share in this market, um, basically cut its prices to below cost, at or below cost, to try to like knock the new competitor out, right? That's a that's predatory pricing. That's an antitrust violation. So you you have to just, you know, there, there, you have to keep an eye on the entire uh 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 marketplace uh because um uh because you need to cause wherever Wherever there are companies, there's the possibility for anti competitive behavior. That doesn't mean every company does it. Uh, you know, uh, most companies do not. But if you're not policing the marketplace, the antitrust division and the um, FTC, then, um, you know, then you can, consumers will be the victims, right? Other companies too, but mostly consumers, right?
0: Hi, I'm wondering, so you did this challenging work for a number of years, but I'm wondering if you have any favorite moments or memories that you would like to share with us, and in addition, if you happen to have any advice for young people.
1: My favorite memories, um, uh, what are my favorite memories from being at the FTC? Just because it was a, a wonderful agency where everyone was committed to the mission that we wanted to do, and, uh, and, the. Uh, and the commissioners themselves, you know, sat around tables and tried to figure out, like, how do we help consumers? How do we ensure there's competition? We didn't always agree. We had some very substantive disagreements, but we 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 always uh, uh, respected each other, and we always tried to do what we thought was right. So that was a that was a marvel. And every day I would come into the office. So this is not one. This is not one moment, but it's every day I come into the office and I would think, what kind of cool thing can I do for consumers today this is like the, the 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 from a psychic income perspective, it was the best, uh, the best job I have ever had or ever will have and it's an independent agency, too. I think the Supreme Court is going to get rid of independent agencies in a few years, unfortunately, um, and they won't be quite so independent, even if there's still commissions with people from both sides of the aisle. And uh, we really believed in the independence of our agency. At that time, we never, you know, I mean, we we kept away from uh, both during the Bush administration when I was a minority commissioner and uh, the Obama administration where I was chair. um, You know, we did what we thought was right, no matter what the uh, no matter what the administration thought. And. Uh, and I noticed in uh, Afi, you, you you sent around in your prep uh, in your prep outline, you know, uh, something about the coziness of the uh, of the <laughs> Obama administration with big tech and mm-hmm. a couple of articles about, you know, who was like giving talks at Facebook and uh, the I, there's there's, you know, I'm not saying there's nothing to that, but. Um, uh, we we and, and I'm not saying we got everything right at the FTC uh, or the uh, or or at the Justice Department, but we always try to do what we thought was right, no matter you know what the politics of it were. And um, uh, and that's a that's a uh, hopefully that era will come back uh, at some point because it has been uh, it, it was mostly lost. The FTC was an exception. Um, when I was there, um, but it's largely you know but even but it's it's even worse now. So hopefully it will uh, this is like a pendulum and it'll it'll go back to practical solutions to real problems. Um, and then advice for young people. Uh, advice for young people um, uh, Ava, uh, you know, um, consider working in uh, consider at some point in your careers working in government uh your real income is not so bad it's not great but your psychic income is very high because you're working for the public well
2: uh we want to be mindful of time although i think we've already held you longer than we said we would but it's been so great to meet you and talk to you john thank you so much for taking the time to chat with all of us about these very interesting topics i want to offer you a chance to make any final remarks if anything comes to mind but otherwise it's been such a pleasure and thank you again yeah
1: Yeah, I just want to say thank you for letting me join you on the periphery. It's a wonderful podcast, and uh, uh, maybe you'll have me back in two years if Congress passes
0: privacy legislation. If you come back, we'll have you back. All right, (laughs) thank you so much. As always, give us a review, subscribe, tell a friend, and we will see you. Probably not next week because we've got finals, but at least, you know, two weeks, three weeks. Give us some time to relax a little bit. (laughs)